That's the point I'm making. Repentance, part of believing. Second, learning. Hanging the yoke of Jesus. Becoming a disciple of his is part of believing. There is no believing without these two things. There's none. There is none. There is none. That's the point I'm trying to make. There is none. You can't say, I just answered an altar call. Now I'm saved. Now I'm a Christian. Now I'm born again. No, there is none. True believing goes with number one, repentance. The life changes. The fellow faces a different direction. And when you face a different direction, it's not a directionless direction. Are you getting my point here? What is that direction? How do you know that direction? Jesus says it's simple. You sit down and start what? Learning. And that's why you find that many people follow Jesus. That's one thing a lot of us don't understand. The days of Jesus, you know, sometimes we pastors we make a lot of noise about multitude. Crowd is important. You know, the days of the move of the Lord, there's a lot of crowd. Listen to me. Crowd. <laughs> crowd. Jesus has never liked the crowd. God has never been impressed with the crowd. He has never been impressed with the multitude. Anytime you see multitude, go and read your Bible. Jesus used to separate himself from them when serious matters would be up. And they used to say concerning the multitude that the prophecy concerning them is that their ears are dull. Their hearts are hard. They are blind. They can't understand anything. For those who don't know it, open your Bibles. Let's read it. All right, let's read the one from Matthew chapter 13. Now, this is the parable of the sower here. I will not read all of it because of, um, that's not our main, I mean, the, the parable itself is not the issue. It's the issue of the crowd. From verse 1, it said, That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, the so- Behold, the sower went out to sow, and all of that. Now go to verse 10. Then the what? Sorry, say it like so I can hear you. Then the what? Then the disciples came to him and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Then now disciples call them what? Them. I don't know whether you're getting the point. The disciples called the crowd what? Them. That is, they knew that they were not in the same category. They knew. They knew they were not in the same group. So they, they would gather the disciples went to one corner and said, what is the Lord doing? They said, he's telling stories. When did he become the master storyteller? Was, the, was that Jeffrey Archer or Sidney Sheldon? Which one of the master storyteller those days? So they were looking. So when he was done with telling the stories, he said many things. So this is just one crucial one that was recorded. He now came and said, what are you doing? Why are you speaking in parables? I hope you know that what you were saying didn't make any sense. You know what he said to them? To you, my disciples, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been granted. Forget the crowd you see in church on Sundays. He said, for whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. And whoever doesn't have, even what he has, shall be taken away from him. He said, now continue reading this. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the hearts of the people has become dull, of these people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they 
have closed eyes. Otherwise, they will see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I will heal them. Can you see that? In verse 18, he now began to explain the parable of the sower. He said, hear then the parable of the sower. I'm not talking about that further. The point I'm making is, is look at the Lord Jesus. He saw the crowd. In fact, how many of you have, of course, all of us, no need to ask the question. All of us have heard of the, the, the sermon on the mount. Now, let me ask you a question. Did, that, did he tell that sermon to the multitude or his disciples? Think about it before you answer me. Some people don't know. You're not sure. His disciples. Go and read it. The Bible says that when they saw the crowd, he ran away. You've not noticed it before. Let's read the Bible. Open it again. Matthew chapter 5. Just flip by a few, a few chapters. When they saw the, the crowd, the multitude, he ran away. Verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, what did he do? He went up on the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, that is, he did not teach the crowd. He never taught the crowd. He never taught the multitude. Yeah, do you know these people were following him? Everywhere he went, they went. But he never took them seriously. Once he said, Master, when did you get here? He said, oh, you are all hungry, I can see. You are looking for free food. He said these people are not looking for anything that's important. They're only looking for free food. Now, let me sit down on our own, the, the main substance of our message. And that's the fact that true faith is not shown by the fact that you go to church. These people were following Jesus. They were going to church. The Jesus Christ Church of St. Ezekiel, they were there. You know, the, you know, I combine the two now. Okay, let's go like this. The church of Jesus Christ and St. Ezekiel, they were there. They used to come regularly. But listen to me, they were not true believers. Some of them were ushers. They were not true believers. Many were church workers. They were not true believers. The people that were true believers, or the people that are true believers, are always known by one fact, that they are true disciples. Let's drop the word disciple for a moment. It causes confusion. Let's use the modern word. What is the modern word? Student. The modern word is student. When you use the word disciple, it sounds like a church matter. Listen, everybody who registered on the campus or University of Nigeria, Enugu campus, is a disciple of the faculty. Are you getting my point? You are a disciple of your lecturers. That's the meaning of the word disciple. Disciple, forget the fact that, you know, it sounds so spiritual. To say disciple just means to be a student. That is true believing converts you to being a student of the word of God. And that's how you look at him persistently, attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze. That's true Christianity. That's true believing. Without this, the faith is not genuine. That's the point I'm making. The people say they believe they are not true believers if these two things are not part of the believing. First one, repentance. Second one, discipleship. Now let me quickly say this, but I will clarify it. I don't mean you enroll in a school. Because enrolling in schools is not the issue. Many people go to university, the university doesn't go through them. But then they come out, they are ignorant of the subject. 
It happens a lot of times. People go to, you know, they can register in the school. Just wangle your way out. Eventually, you graduate, and then you're as ignorant as when you came in. What am I going to say? I'm not talking about discipleship as in, listen, I've gone to register in this Bible school. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people taking the word of God so seriously that they are committed to hanging the yoke of Jesus on their neck. You are getting my point here. That is the ideas I wake up in the morning. What, what do I hang on my neck today? How do, what, do I mean by, what do I hang on my neck today? I'm always looking out for God's word. I'm always looking out for, 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 for because it's, listen, this is how life is. Everything you do in life, I hope you know you were taught. Oh yes, you may not really, you were taught. Everything you do in life today, you were taught. Because if you were not taught, if you just, if you are pressed where you are, you just will be under my chair there. You don't think about it. But when you were a child, in fact, I still remember the day, <laughs> so I can do that, let him not be too embarrassed. I still remember the day he finally realized that you have to go to a specific place to pee. Because that day he lay down on the bed. He was just lying down there. He was pressed, and then suddenly I just saw a fountain open. <laughs> this is not about, he wasn't sleeping. He was sitting there in the, you know, broad daylight, just lying down. So I took him, you know how you make a point to a little child? I twerked his bum bum small, and he cried, and I drank the toilet. Next time you want to pee, you come over here. The day victory, <laughs> my victory did that when traveling, when the car, we got to nature. The guy, he was awake too, just lay down there, just stand there. Suddenly he wanted to pee. He just opened the fountain. And poor Benga was sitting next to him. <laughs> we inside traffic that day, we had a good laugh. So Gwenga said, oh, victory. How many times would they have to tell you that when you want to pee, you go to the toilet? <laughs> That's how he said it. Exactly how he said it. It was funny because we were inside the car. How is the boy supposed to go to the toilet? <laughs> All of us are laughing. And this little boy said, why are you cursing me now? <laughs> he could talk. What am I trying to say? Every, look, it may look simple, but you have to be taught. But because a part of you don't even realize you were taught before. How you spend your money, you were taught. Are you getting my point? How you arrange your life in the morning, get up, have your bad dress up, go here, you were taught. So David said, come children, listen to me. I will give you a new set of instructions. What did he say? He said, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? It means that many things, in fact, not many things, all the things you know up till now, they are not the things, I'm just giving my life to Christ an example, everything I know are not the things of the Lord Jesus. So I wake up every morning, I want to learn his words. I want to know what he says. I want to know how to relate with people. I want to know how to relate with life. I want to know each thing I'm learning, you know what's happening? I'm hanging his yoke. Each thing I'm learning, I'm young, hanging his yoke. Do you know, and he has something to say about everything. An example again. He has something to say about how I relate with the government. There is a word he has given concerning how I relate with my children at home. There's a word he has given concerning how I relate with my husband. There's a word he has given concerning how I relate with my wife. There's a word he has given concerning how I relate with my parents. There's a word he has given concerning how I relate with my children and with my friends. There's a word he has given concerning how I make decisions in my life. Each time I learn a word he has given, I'm hanging the yoke. I hope you're getting my point here. 
Nobody is laying their hands on me and saying, right now, receive the yoke of Jesus. Receive the yoke of Jesus. Right now, right now. As you're falling down under the power. Oh, we are falling down. See, he has the yoke. He has the yoke right now. He rises up under the yoke. There's nothing like that. How do I get the yoke of Jesus? I learn something. There's the way I used to spend my money. Then I give my life to Christ. I start learning the yoke of Jesus. I start learning simple things. That, because the natural man, what he knows every time he walks is gather for himself. Then I get the yoke of Jesus. I said, okay, how do I handle my money? If you have not read my book, um, How to Work for God and Grace to Prosper, inside it I discussed it. Everything I need to do that I should do with my money is in the word of God. It's a new yoke I'm hanging. So next time I end my money, I say, honor the Lord with thy substance. I know this is how to give to the Lord. This is how I use my money so as to show that I'm not afraid of tomorrow because it matters. There is a way, you know, everybody prays. Whether you're a believer or non-believer, you pray. People go to the shrine. What do they go to go and do? They go to go and pray. But when I give my life to Christ, there's a yoke. I learn how to pray. Suddenly I hear the first prayer point he ever gave is love your enemies. <laughs> Are you getting my point? He said, pray for those who hate you. So when I want to pray now, is a yoke of Jesus. You see, it's a yoke. He said, my yoke is what? Easy and my Burden. It's a burden. It may be light, but it's a burden. Imagine getting on your knees and you want to pray this morning. Say, Lord, last night I was supposed to be promoted. This was the man who ensured I won't be promoted in this office. I want to pray for him. Somebody say burden. That is a burden. No? That is a burden. I mean, it's easier to pray for those who give you money. Yeah, I mean, every time, every day, I pray for those who give money to Kingdom World Ministries. Every, Every, listen, every day. Every day. So that one is easier, you know? It comes from the bottom of my heart. Oh, Father, I thank you. We're about to pay the radio. This week is a pay radio week. Last two weeks now. You pay, every time you pay, heavy money. You're paying, 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 paying. You know, you know the truth? Oh, God is good. Somebody say amen. amen. The Lord is good. We always have money. So for that reason, it's easy to pray for people. It's very easy. Father, I thank you. Your people that sent money to this ministry, bless them. Increase them. Bless their family. Increase their business. Let the revelation of the word of God, you know, the, labor, the husbandman that labors must be first partaker of the fruit. Well, you know, it's easy. And that's okay. You're supposed to be on radio. One man you sent money to, he carried the money and ran away. You know, one of our radio stations, now, they've, not, they've not heard our messages for some weeks. Our marketer, they took their money and ran. So they now ask me that. I hope you didn't give him money. You say no. But let's assume that that guy, that kind of person now, took our money and they didn't broadcast us for a few days. And I want to pray. What is the natural thing? Holy Ghost! Fire! <laughs> All the enemies of the progress of this gospel. Every power fighting my destiny die by fire. Jam them. <laughs> Break them. Let them fall onto the stone that the builders rejected. <laughs> that is, look, that's the one that comes naturally. But Jesus now says, relax. Pray for those who hate you. You're in your office. There's one of your superiors that, look, he doesn't like you and he makes it clear. So time to pray. You now kneel down. And first prayer point, I want to pray for Mr. Ajale Koko for not liking me. Lord, help him. Open his eyes to the gospel of Jesus. 
Somebody say burden. That's a burden. That's a burden. That is a burden. That's a burden. To pray for somebody, somebody who's doing you bad, it's a burden. So Jesus has burdens. That's the point I'm making. But he said, my yoke is what? Easy. My burden is light. He said, try it your own way. After a while, eh, you'll become hypertensive. You'll blow a vessel one day, and you may die because somebody did you bad. But if you had done it my way, your blood pressure will have been going down gently every day. Your people will have stayed down. You will have lived long. And you will have seen them repent. Are you getting my point? You will have seen them become believers. They will have come to you one day and say, help us. We want to know the way of the Lord. Then you will have been, you will have been joyful eventually. But this, this one that you have now gone to join, that you must kill all your enemies. All of you will die together. You and your enemies. You will die the same week. Apostle, is that not the prophecy? It is. All of you are dying together. Say, Pastor, are you cursing me? No, I'm warning you. There's a difference. Let me tell you why they would die together. As you are going to MFM, so is he going to Father Ambaka's place. <laughs> it's not altar versus altar. <laughs> you see, now she has proven it to you now. If your prayer is working, his own is also working. He did you bad. What do you think he thinks you did to him? And then life, just play it safe. What did I say? Play it safe. Forgive everybody. You know, cleanse your head. Cleanse your head. You know, remove, remove. How, how, did, they, how did Solomon say it again? Let's say we started that time. Remove something from your soul. How did he say it? Anyway, remove all these troubles from your life. Say, life is not too long. Don't burden yourself. Somebody said that every day. They are angry with what APC is doing. They are not members of PDPO, but they are angry <laughs> every day with what APC is doing. And, they, and they, they, some of my classmates don't understand how I behave. You, you, you don't understand. I have to free my mind. It's one of the things I teach my wife sometimes. She's like, why do you behave like this? This girl, relax. Sometimes people go, go you know, they'll just annoy you. You really, really, you, your soul will be like, me, let me do them something bad. But sometimes, if God can bring you to the level where you can forget them, you will live longer. That's what Jesus meant when he said, my yoke is what? Easy. My burden is light. A true disciple is always learning the things of Jesus. Always learning the things of Jesus. Always learning the things of Jesus. No matter how unreasonable it seems, trust me, if you can find that these are the words of the Lord Jesus, if you can find that this is what God said we should do according to what is written in his word, trust me, no matter how crazy it feels, that is a light one. Every other one is heavy. Every other one is what? Is heavy. Some people say that, in fact, they say, lay up money, save for tomorrow, you never can take. You know what I found out? The man who is saving for tomorrow is not safer than the one who did not save for tomorrow. I hope you get my point. Yeah, that's a matter of fact. And Jesus said, don't worry, take no thought for tomorrow. You will find out that you have a lower blood pressure. One of my friends said something to me one day. I laughed that day. He said, bank. One day began to think, he has money, plenty of it. He said, I was thinking, how will he keep money, you know, because of future of his children and everything. He said, he thought about Naira. He said, Naira was not, it was a no-go area. Dollar. He thought about something. Then some, something happened that day. Dollar was dropping in value and all of that. What about euro? You know, euro is not even setting now. Now that Brexit is Brexiting, you don't know what's going to happen to euro after Brexit. He thought about that. Then he was thinking about pounds. Then he said, he was thinking. He said, then, he said, Banky, 
I didn't know when I started sweating. He said, sometimes I noticed that I realized I was sweating. Inside an air-conditioned room, he was sweating. My yoke is easy. And my burden is what? Light. The fact is that Jesus said, don't worry. If you just took the words of the Lord Jesus, there will be no occasion for sweating. And in case you don't know, that sweat is a sign of height of the blood pressure. But as you are sweating outside, so is the blood pressure going up inside. Listen, no matter what it looks like, the words of the Lord Jesus, they are the easy way out. If he says you forgive, trust me, it is better for you to forgive. You mean that man will get away with it? It is, you know, this is the truth that Jesus is not concerned primarily about what that man is getting away with. He's concerned about how it is affecting you. I'm talking about true discipleship. A true disciple is every day I am hanging a new yoke. What is that yoke? Something I've discovered from the words of the Lord Jesus. That is the yoke. I discover something from the Lord Jesus. I hang it around my neck. And listen to me. Except I am doing that, I don't really believe. That's the point I'm making. Believing is not just I put up my hand in an altar call. No. Believing is beyond that. First thing about believing is that I'm repenting. And in fact, that repentance again is a continual process. Because listen... As you are taking the yoke of the Lord Jesus, you are dropping the yoke that was there. I said in life, you must be yoked. Something must be driving you. And that's just the way life is. You are being, no, you know, the way we are designed, I pray we understand it. There is, look, there's almost nothing that is original with us. The only thing that God has given us as human beings, as individuals, is the ability to choose what will drive us. I don't know what I get my point. Something has to drive somebody. You can't just be floating recklessly like that. No. You get up in the morning, something is making you get up. There is a goal you are pursuing. That's a matter of fact. That is how life is. There is always something, it's called a spirit. There is something every time that is pushing each person. The only thing we human beings can do is make the choice of what is pushing us. For example, I can make up my mind that what is pushing me, I may not use the word vainglory, but the fact is that what may be pushing me may just be that in this life, me too, I must make it. And I must be seen to have made it. I'm talking about materially. Now that thing is deep inside my heart. Every day it is pushing me. I wake up in the morning. I'm going to work. That's what's pushing me. I pick a newspaper I'm reading. What I'm looking for is, how do I attain that my goal? Now listen to me. Sometimes I even choose my church because of that. Yes. Oh, this church, if you go there, the way the pastor teaches, within the next five years, you will have broken through. So I go to that church because the primary thing that is pushing me in life is in this life, oh, I must make it. I'm choosing a country of residence. That's what's pushing me. You may even find that I say, me, I'm not going abroad. I'm saying Nigeria. What you don't realize is that I have considered it. And I have found out that the easiest way to do it is to stay here. I don't know where I get my point. It is that thing that God is actually judging. That thing that's deep inside our hearts. That's the thing that God is actually judging. Or I may say, listen, what is pushing me? Like the one of my children and I have been discussing every day in the house in the last few days. We took from Jeremiah chapter 1. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I consecrated to be a prophet to the nations. So every time we pray, it's like, God, whatever you made me to be, I desire to be that thing. I yield myself to be that thing you made me to be. That's another point. 
What is pushing me every day, I'm saying that God made me for a reason. I must accomplish the reason for which God created me. That is deep inside my heart. Are you getting my point? That is deep inside my heart. When I'm talking about hanging the yoke of Jesus, many Christians, listen, they don't even know what I've just taught in the last two minutes now. They don't know that yet. I've encountered many believers. They know the scriptures. They know the Bible. They can pray. They can speak in tongues. But if you look closely, what is pushing this man? The desire for earthly success. He prays all night. What is the prayer about? Omo, me too, I must make it. He's, he's reading the scriptures. What is he reading about? If I confess the word, can he say there was one man who learned to, to, to listen to his spirit and he became a millionaire. So you see a believer every day learning to listen to his spirit. They say speaking talks for one hour every day. He wakes up in the morning. One full hour. You are looking, you think he's spiritual. No, yet can Hagen say there was one businessman who learned to listen to his spirit. And because of that, he became a millionaire. And how do you listen to your spirit? First, you quieten your spirit by speaking in tongues for one hour. You find him every time exercising himself in spiritual things. But you know what you don't realize? All of it is because he has one driving principle in life. I must become rich in this life. And I'm not going to steal. But I still must make it. They say, come to church. The way to to prosper is to give. You see aggressive giving. You know the kind of giving that you wonder what is pursuing this man. And somebody will say he's dedicated. He's a good Christian. But God is looking and said, if you search his heart, if you see his secret thoughts, you know he's thoroughly defiled. His purpose in life is wrong. That wrong purpose makes him a prayer warrior. That wrong purpose makes him pray in tongues one hour every morning. That wrong purpose makes him a great giver. That wrong purpose makes him a good church worker. That wrong purpose makes him a diligent businessman. But all of it, there's just one principle inside him. In life, I must make it. Why am I even talking about that? (laughs) But Jesus said, Exchange that yoke. There are many people in life, they will not prosper until they say, God, I choose poverty. I'm not, I'm not kidding about that. Until they take that vow of poverty. Because they pray from now to tomorrow, you're, you're running around in circles. You're misbehaving. All your prayers don't have any meaning. There are times people have counseled with sometimes, I've, I tell them, say, listen, this is your prayer point. You know what? I think we should drop it. I've counseled people like that. I said, this prayer point, I think we should drop it. I think we shouldn't pray about it again. I think you should tell God, forget it. You know, I think you said, I don't want it again. Don't do it for me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I don't want hammer. I don't want, I don't, I don't want anything. Just leave me. So, okay, what do I do for you now? Now, let me give you a prayer point you should give God. So, time. say, God, just make me happy. Just make me content. Say, Lord, I want to trek from here to ninth mile. I enjoy doing it. You can do that. You don't have to be crazy to trek from here to ninth mile. Yes. You can just say, Lord, please. Eh? I'm not asking you for anything, but you see, I want to be so happy. I want people to think I've gone mental. You will wake up in the morning, eh? the kind of, you just wake up in the morning, you start laughing. You say, what's the problem? You say, this life is beautiful. No, there are prayer points you ask God for. Say, Lord, Lord what, do I want to, what do you want me to do for you? Say, Lord, nothing. Nothing. No, this is just one thing. Just make me happy. One month. Don't give me money. I'm not asking you for money. Don't give me anything. Just make me happy. I want to just be joyful in the Lord. 
That's my Bible. I want to enjoy reading it. And I want understanding in it. Don't give me anything. At the end of one month, my testimony will be that for one month I have not been sad. Believe me, there are many people listening to me this evening that until they go through this prayer process, they will be on that spot. 50 years, they will be on that same spot they are today. Go and read my book, Grace to, uh, Grace to Prosper. It is a chapter, The Vow of Poverty. There are times Christians need to take that vow. They just need to take a vow of poverty. Say, God, please read our, read our, the current magazine, um, Secrets and Truths. Read the current edition. There's a testimony in there. How did you caption it again? Jesus did it for me. Please read that young man's testimony. Read it. Read, read that testimony. The young man was praying and praying and praying. He said, one day he heard me preach. And I talked about, tell the Lord, say, even if you don't do anything, what, 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 so what? They told the Lord, say, uh-huh. he always wanted to do a PhD in a specialized area of engineering. And I told the Lord, okay, if you won't do it for me, okay, don't even, I don't want again. If I don't get the PhD, so what? He said, he learned that I said, there's something I preached, that each season there's an assignment. He said, Lord, what is my assignment for now? Let's forget all of this praying every day. This, <laughs> he said, the way he was so converted, his father told him something had gone wrong with him. Because already he forgot the whole idea. And said to the Lord, what's my assignment for now? He was in, I mean, he's a university lecturer. I said, be teaching your students. That's your assignment for now as a university lecturer. Be teaching your students. And in church, teach the youth. He did that for two years. Not one day. You know, you don't play these games. It's not a game with God. Though. It's not a game. They say, if we just worship and worship, he will answer. So let us worship. As you are checking out for the answer, let's close our eyes and worship the Lord. Hey, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. You are not worshiping. You are waiting for something. I pray we'll get this point. It took two years of I have forgotten it. And such kinds of I have forgotten it, he meant it. We can't use trick with God. See, that, that man forgot it for two years. I'll give God three years. Me to Lord, I'm going to forget it. He can see your heart, too. Oh, you can see it. If you say, I, I, I'm doing, I'll continue, I'll be doing honest ministry until, minute, until money comes. God said, that's it. That money ain't coming anywhere. Apostle, the money will not come. That's to be, I'm doing my honest ministry because that is what I'm supposed to do. If we tie it to anything, it's not coming. Please read that man's testimony. The day the thing came, he said, Jesus surprised, that's what he said, Jesus surprised me. So they got email. You dropped an application here some time ago. Now, let me add my own words. Are you still interested? Ah, why not? Okay, come for an interview. Where's the interview? Online. Log on here. We'll give you a Skype interview. So join the Skype interview. They interviewed him. He said, I don't think I did very well. But let's make a long story short. They chose 15 people worldwide. Worldwide, including Chinese, Indians, he was one of the few they picked from Africa. I, don't, I think it's four they picked from Africa, so he was one of them. When he was sending that mail that we published in that thing, he had just reported in for a fully funded, European Union funded, fully funded program, PhD in social robotics. No, you can't manipulate God. <laughs> you get to my point. You can't. Back to the issue of yoke. Sometimes what is pushing somebody in the heart we just heard that kind of gospel, and I just say, ah, so the, for the last 80 years, this is what has been pushing me. 
So I take that yoke. The thing that has made prayer a burden. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That I must pray it. I must pray. The thing that has made giving a burden, that I must give. If you don't give. (laughs) (laughs) One sister came up to me here one day. She told me how she gave all how. I'm not seeing that girl in a long time. If you are here, please, where are you? I'm not seeing you in a long time. Twelve months allowing this girl gave everything. She says, Pastor, hunger wanted to kill me. I said, why did you do that? He said, they taught us that that's how to prosper. When you like prosperity, that's how God will punish you. With hunger. Those pastors are very wicked. When you see okay with run, people like him. <laughs> <laughs> they preached to this young girl. And she's collecting her way like this. Her yoke was, you know, he said, come on to me, who you are what? Who labor and are heavy leading. That girl was laboring, she was heavy leading. She told me that I almost died. How were you eating? She said she does not even know. She was stealing, in quotes. So how do you mean stealing? You could have visited other coppers. They're not stealing. Yeah. You gave your own for prosperity. They are eating their own. <laughs> you went to join them to eat it. <laughs> they said one day somebody now dashed her 20,000 naira. Hey, she said, praise God. This one, I will now manage it. I'll keep on giving my home once I will, but I'll manage this one. Then she went to church. Okay, was waiting. <laughs> it's except he pains you. <laughs> if he doesn't pain you, it's not acceptable to the Lord. Ah, she looked and said, Lord, this small. <laughs> They get collected the money again, drop out for a fruit basket. This was there too that they were looking at her like this. Why did you do that? He said they told us that's how to prosper. I said, okay, God has answered your prayer. What is the answer? He sent you to me. Now that you have met me, your yoke is now it's now easy. Your burden is now light. I said to her in simple times, that's not how to prosper. That's not how to prosper. That does not produce prosperity. In fact, you are proving to God that you don't know how to handle money, that you are too stupid to be giving money. By that, you are proving to God you don't know how to handle money. You are irresponsible. You are a manipulator. Magu should catch you. You know, EFCC, for misappropriation of godly funds. You know, there's public funds. There's godly funds. This whole year, what did your father get from you? Nothing. What did your brothers get from you? Nothing. The campus you graduated from, what did they get from you? Nothing. What did you get from you? Nothing. Because God expected to share money to all these places. What did you even eat to rejoice before the Lord? Nothing. And you want me to give you abundance? Do you think they are the Christ like you? Because for 12 months, you have proven to me you don't know how to handle money. You're not generous anyway. God loves a cheerful giver, not a cheerful investor. True Christian giving is simple. I was saying many things. True Christian giving is know how to apportion money appropriately. Don't be afraid of tomorrow. Be generous in your giving. Eat, I beg. That's part of it. Though. What did I say? I didn't say though. I said, eat, I beg. What did I say? Please, please, that's all God is saying. Share it properly. 
No, really, nothing wrong with giving aggressively. But when you are doing that, it must be what? For that purpose. Yes. If your loved one is in hospital, as an example, and they say, okay, bring money that is three times what you earn in a month, want to borrow it and carry it there? Is it because you want to receive? Why? Because the purpose matters to you. That's how Christians give. Now, talking about them, just summarize what I'm talking about. So such a person, you go and say, listen, no, I have found the yoke of Jesus. I have found his yoke. What is his yoke? Listen, I was made for a purpose. I'm not trying to be rich in life. I just want to fulfill the purpose for which he made me. That's, the, that's what I just want. So I remove that drive for worldly success. I remove it. I take it away. I take the Jeremiah chapter 1 drive. Are you getting my point? I take the Psalm 40 drive. I take the Psalm 139 drive. I take the drive, the type that Jesus had. I hang it on my neck. What is it? Just to be pleasing to the Father. Just to fulfill the reason why I was born. Then I discovered that life is actually easy. Maybe I'll pick it up from that particular point. To show how grace now manifests. As I'm t- now listen, we're, we're moving to the matter of grace. You know, we're talking about true grace encounter. Now you now find that things start working in my life I didn't plan for. Are you getting my point? It gets to a point, my life enters into what I call autopilot. A time will come, you will literally live in houses you did not build. You will run companies you did not start. Literally, it will happen. It will happen that one day you look back and say, how did I get here? That's how grace works. What is grace? I'll give us a few definitions of grace. And then I close. We'll develop it again. Next time we'll we'll come, we'll continue developing it. I'm talking about the true grace encounter, how grace works. As I'm taking the burden of Jesus, as I'm taking his, I'm taking up his yoke, I start discovering many things. I start discovering the power of God working in my life while I walk righteously. Results being produced that I did not labor for. That is grace. Grace is when God gives me something to do, then he gives me the power to do it. Do you get my point here? As I'm hanging the yoke of Jesus on my neck, I start discovering the resurrection power of Jesus working in me. I discover that God causes me to obey him even when I'm not struggling to obey. These are the signs that I really believe. I start finding righteousness working out in my life naturally. You are getting my point? Resisting sin becomes easy. That's a sign that I truly believe. As I'm exchanging my yoke, as I'm exchanging the yoke that's on my neck, I'm removing it and hanging the yoke of Jesus. Grace begins to work in my life. Grace is when you find out what works in my life that I did not struggle to put there, but because I'm constantly following Jesus, things are working outwardly. That is what grace is. Grace is the power that manifests in my life, making me obey God even when obedience is hard. Grace is not the excuse to continue in disobedience. I don't know whether you're getting my point. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. Grace is that power that makes obedience easy for me, even when it should be hard. Grace is sometimes I have made up my mind. Now, listen to what I'm saying. Please be careful when I want to, to hear what I want to say now carefully, to, properly. Grace is sometimes I just made up my mind that I'm tired of even obedience. Yet, I find myself obeying. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That is, I have become overwhelmed. Next thing I know is that I'm still obeying God. Even though I thought I was tired. Grace is when I naturally would have given up. But for one reason or the other, I still don't give up. 
And everybody, including myself, is watch, they are wondering, what is pushing this man? What is pushing this woman? That is grace. Grace is when I actually one day give up. And I'm tired of business. I'm tired of ministry. I'm tired of my husband. I'm tired of my wife. I'm tired of the challenges. So I go home and sleep. And they say, pray. So the one I prayed since last year, if it can't do the work, let the work be undone. And I go and sleep. And God finally say, sure you are, you, you are tired. Can I come and walk now? Then I wake up next morning. Suddenly, Shebi, I've, I've traveled all over the country. Look, I don't call, I don't tire. She I've made all kinds of calls looking for business connections. Nothing has happened. Then that morning I wake up and I find eight missed calls from two different numbers. And I wonder who are these people. Then one of them calls again. I used to say, I'm surprised. We've been looking for you since last. We finally got your number yesterday. Please. Now, you are begging for a job, maybe 100,000, 200,000 there. They say, please, can we see? We hear you can do this. Then they give you a job of 3.5 million there. The day you give up. If you don't know what I'm saying, go and read the story of Demo Shakarian. Full gospel took off after he gave up. In fact, God was waiting for him to give up. God wanted him to be tired. Great, that's what I'm talking about grace. Grace is when God starts moving. I'm just, me, I'm tired. I'm not even praying again. I have, I have spent, like Isaiah said, I have spent my strength for nothing and for vanity. That is, I spent his strength, nothing came out of it. That's what grace is. Grace is when God starts working. When I can't work. So that one day I will get up and say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's what grace is. Grace does not mean I will live carelessly and it is okay with God. That's not what it means. I'm saved by grace. Does not mean I don't have my part to play. No, that's not what it means. Saved by grace does not mean no matter what I do, once I claim I believe one time, I'm okay. That's not what grace is. Grace means no matter the little strength I have, once I focus it on the Lord, he will do great things in my life that I could not have accomplished by myself. Grace is when I make a choice because of my trust in the word of God. And then God files that record down. And one day he turns around and says, this boy trusted me eight years ago. Let me pour a blessing in his life today. That's what grace. So I'll look and say, who begat me all of this? I hope you're getting my point. Grace is, I can't do it. God sends people to help me to do it, and they give me the credit. I don't know whether you're getting what I'm saying here. That's what grace is. Grace is when help comes to me to accomplish a desire I have, something good I want to do, a ministry, business, you know, whatever it is. Help just comes to me. And I don't even know where the help came from. That is what grace is. Grace is when God mobilizes his angels to clear the road for me so I can pass. But remember, I'm trying to go somewhere. Are you getting my point here? So God says, clear the road, let him pass. Let her pass. That is grace. You know what grace is? It's the power of God manifested. That's what grace is. And it's manifested towards those who actually Truly believe. Paul said it like this. It has to be by faith that it might be in accordance with grace. I hope you've gotten my point today. Let's bow down heads and thank the Lord for grace. 
Say, Lord, thank you for your grace. Say, Lord, thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the goodness of your word. Thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the yoke of the Lord Jesus is easy and his burden is light. Thank you for the privilege, the opportunity to carry that yoke and to carry that burden. Each one of us, Lord, we say we receive that burden again today in the name of Jesus. We receive that yoke today in the name of Jesus Christ. We cast away all our other yokes. We throw them away. We receive the yoke of Jesus. Therefore, we declare that we are free in the name of Jesus. Everybody say after me, say, I am free. I am free. Say it again, say, I am free. I'm free from sin. I'm free from condemnation. I'm free from the bondage of the devil. Say that again, I am free from the bondage of the devil. The Son has set me free. Jesus has set me free. I am free indeed. Now say this, I am free from sicknesses. I'm free from every disease. In the name of Jesus. Say from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Total freedom. It's my portion. From pain, from diseases, from all kinds of bodily troubles. I declare freedom again. In the name of Jesus. Father, we give you thanks. As you go away from here, goodness and mercy will follow you in Jesus' name. I said goodness will follow you in the name of Jesus. Favor will go with you in the name of Jesus. Divine protection, it will go with you in the name of Jesus. No evil will befall you. And no plague will come near your dwelling place. No trouble will come near your dwelling place. You are protected and guarded on every side. From every attack of robbers, you are protected. From stray bullets, you are defended. Let me say it again. No evil will befall you. And no plague will come near your dwelling place. In the name of Jesus Christ. And let's share the grace of